conversations I've been waiting to have them Trying to change the way I speak so that they don't feel so challenged Can you see the inconsistency, come feel the imbalance I can tell you either way, yeah, ooh, that shit's a distraction I can tell you either way, yeah, ooh, this shit's a Hello and welcome to the live recording of Her Hustle's fourth event, where we'll be delving into the working lives of four fabulous women cooking up a storm in the food industry. Today's discussion is hosted by me, Emily's Boynton. And behind the scenes is me, co-founder Elspeth Mary. For those who don't know, Her Hustle is focused on demystifying the day-to-day of jobs across a broad range of sectors to provide insight and inspiration to women as they build their careers. To that end, on our panel today, we have four brilliant women who are here to tell us what it really means to do what they do in the food biz, how they got there, and how they get it all done. Joining me today is Albright's executive chef, Sabrina Gidder. Sabrina started her career in food as the head chef at a gastropub aged 21. After working at the five-star hotel, the Dorchester, and then as head chef at the Sanctuary Spa in Covent Garden, and then Bernardi's, she was appointed to her current position. For anyone who doesn't know, Albright is the fabulous all-women members club in London. Sabrina's accolades include being the only woman to have reached the prestigious Rue Scholarship Finals twice and of taking home the Tatlin Rising Star Awards in 2016. Next with me is Alex Healy Hutchinson, who has been described as the queen of porridge. She started out selling pre-soaked, slow-cooked hot porridge from a pop-up stall in Old Street Tube, before going on to set up the go-to breakfast spot in Neil's yard called 26 Grains, and writing a book of the same name. Alex has recently launched what she describes as the big sister to 26 Grains on Stony Street in Borough Market. And last, but certainly not least, the wonderful duo behind immersive supper club Mamsham, Maria and Rhiannon. Combining the two greatest things in life, food and comedy, they've reinvented the supper club experience with their signature serving of three courses inspired by three comedy acts. They've been throwing funny feasts around the capital for almost three years and are now also in the business of hosting some pretty fantastic parties for the likes of ASOS and my personal favourite restaurant, Nando's. Okay, Here's a live recording. It's going to get cosy. Okay. Food means something uh, different to everyone. Uh, for me, I grew up with a really bad eating disorder. So food was always a source of great anxiety and pain. Um, and I still have a lot of weird eating habits, as my friends will definitely attest. Um, but it was learning to cook and starting to host dinner parties with friends that really helped change that and made me kind of see the power and the joy that food can bring. Um, so can you all tell me, what does food mean to each of you? Alex, do you want to start? Um, hello, everyone. Thank you for having me and thank you for coming. And thank you to the Her Hustle group. Um, this is really exciting. Um, so sorry, back to the question, <laughs> which was, what does food mean to me? Um, I'm one of five. So food is an incredibly social thing. It's one of those things I, it, I love to bring people together. Um, by cooking some, something, everyone will get around the table. It's a chance to sort of break bread, share stories, um, it's such like a big part of my life. I spend every day thinking about it, obviously, but equally just getting so excited for the next occasion, next time I can serve food. So it's a combination of um, the social side, but also the creative side. It's something that consumes me creatively constantly. And I love being challenged by the seasons or particular dietary requirements or even just someone's mood, um, what I'd like to cook. So that's what food means. So you always me. think of recipes. Endlessly. Oh, I love that. I wish I was. And you've seen what about you? 
Um, I think I would say that food's a bit of a solution to me. So um, I'm sure we'll get to the bit as to how we all fell into to what we decided yes. to do. But um, it's, um, it's certainly the solution. So much like yourself, the reason I didn't continue a career in fashion um, was because I wanted to know what was for lunch and what was for dinner rather more than my actual job. So um, that's why that didn't pan out correctly. Um, but it's also, when I say it's a solution, it's, um, it's good times or bad times. And that, mm-hmm. that I find, is, is resolved through cooking, feeding people, or eating for me. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Comfort eat. any of the above. Chocolate. And what about you two? Um, I kind of would say, like, with food, it's something that you're always going to, no matter like, what level you are at at food, whether you're a chef or, like, just anyone like you're always constantly learning so like the adventure of food I really enjoy like whether you're having just a fry up eating like from a one-star takeaway which we really enjoy or just like going somewhere really fancy it's kind of about adventure I think oh I love that interesting yeah I'd definitely back that and say I love the yeah learning about food but the variety of food is like that brings me life I like I need change variety is a spice it is a spice um yeah, and I also, eat the same thing every single day. So I'm like, yeah, 100% love variety. <laughs> eat the same thing. <laughs> um, but also I'd say it is definitely when I'm most happy. Um, like my boyfriend always says, like kind of looking a bit disappointed every time I'm eating something amazing. He's like, this is the only time I see you like absolutely pure, 100% In a real happy elated. Uh, which I don't know whether it's a diss to him. I hope not. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just... It is family and friends, yeah. and it, it's just pure joy. Even if you're with some shit people, you can kind of make it better with some good food. And even right? having <laughs> some shit food with some good people is equally as fun. You win either That's way. True, you just yeah. got to have one. <laughs> um, and so who first taught you to cook? What kind of sparked that love for food? Anyone go? Well, we've both got, like, single-parent mums, so... I think obviously our mums played a big role in that like my mum's a great chef but when we were younger like my favorite meal was I called it red rice but it turned out to just be rice and ketchup um, hanging which was ketchup delicious. with everything when so, my own it's mom. actually a, a delicacy it's called red rice it's uh, it's very nice I love that. Um, but yeah like then as we got older and stuff like my sister started to cook so it was just kind of one of those things you're just like thrown into doing it yeah it's just like yeah so I guess our mums were a yeah bit... and I think for me my mum actually just got really bored of cooking so from quite a young age I the buck you know, came down to me. I remember cooking, like, first Christmas dinner. It was such an honour. so amazing to cook for my family in that way. Um, but, yeah, when I was 15, that was my first Christmas dinner. And also, I've got massive short, short woman syndrome. So, like, a challenge, I'm like, absolutely. Mum's like, can you do Christmas dinner for this and moment? And you're like, hell like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. But I'm like, Rhiannon, I, I bet you can't cook me an amazing fry-up. Can't make me a fry-up. <laughs> That is such a good thing to know about someone. Yeah. And what about both of you? Oh, so tricky. Yeah, it was the opposite for me. My mum is a terrible cook, sadly. Um, so, so is mine. Yeah. She is here. <laughs> no offence. <laughs> um, no, my mum actually quite enjoys that title as well because now she's just like, oh, girl, terrible cook. Can't, can't cook for you guys tonight. <laughs> Alex, you're going to have to cook. So, um, yeah, probably, I, just, I think I just grew fascinated with it. I watched so many television mm. programmes. Um, you see people like Endlessly uh, cooking on stoves mm. and chucking things in and I just started doing things like that. And then also... My first job was in a pub, and everybody in a pub is just like, get on the fish and chips, mm. and all those, you know, you've always got a muck in, so 
just slowly by doing that. And I love like the all-consuming nature of cooking mm. that you're like constantly smelling, listening, the good vibes in the kitchen, whatever it is. I've never so. thought about it like that, but it's so true. It's all the senses are kind of being. I do sometimes yeah. find it quite like meditative in the way that like you get out of like a service and yeah. you're like, I honestly haven't thought about anything else yeah. apart from like getting the plate in the oven, yeah. making sure that's warm, all those different stages. Um, and then, and then my, my granny taught me a really good um, trick because she's, she's Austrian and uh, moved to France. And then she was like, it's all better with a bit of butter. So, <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I like that about the meditative state. That's yeah. why I cause such a mess in the kitchen. I'm just in a meditative state. So I'm like, <laughs> I can't see the mess. You've got to get messy before it can be yeah, beautiful. Exactly, exactly. And Sabrina, what about you? I think it's books. It was books for me, oh, really. So um, I grew up in a very glamorous part of the world called Wolverhampton. Um, <laughs> that some of you may or may not know as the culinary kind of um, hotspot. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, it was reading. It was books. So it was a collection of books my mother had. Everything from Madda Jeffrey to Keith Floyd to The Good House housekeeping edition from 1970 something yeah um and i made sure that i read it absolutely every single one of them time and time again can i ask reading cookbooks so i was listening to an interview with nigella lawson who is my personal hero literally in life <laughs> i think she's so fabulous and she was in the same thing that she reads endless cookbooks obviously for what she does but reading a cookbook to me do you read it like a book are you kind of is there a story in the recipes and around them or are you reading it to learn a whole bunch of recipes and kind of put them in your mind what is that process because that's unfamiliar to me I think it's the way they're written you know and I really love um I love it when people put put all of their heart and soul into their mm. book and they explain the reason behind a recipe mm. or why it was so important to them which is what um, you do exactly <laughs> um but otherwise some of it's just it's knowledge isn't yeah. it? to understand how a different chef cooks or, yeah. or how you piece things together from different cuisines and cultures so um, bit of both, really, I think. There's some quite obvious recipes, mm. which you don't really need to, like, read that recipe. But, for example, one story, like, it was a, a prose that, that was written in The Flavor Thesaurus by Nikki Segnet, and she writes about chicken and potatoes, and then she writes about seeing it on a, rotis- on a rotisserie, and it's so eloquent and beautiful, and it talks about, like, the chicken dripping onto the potatoes, and Ooh. it's one of the most wow. beautiful scenes she's ever it's seen. Like and then, then, then there are other recipes which are like, oh, this is really complicated, so I'm going to have to tell you the science behind why it works, but oh. those, there are some, like, really evocative reasons behind recipes and so it's really oh, interesting to that. read that that sounds incredibly erotic i know it does <laughs> the dripping yeah. <laughs> it's not just the chicken that's dripping As I'll cut what, it out. Made, what made each of you want to turn that like real love and that passion into a business so i know sabrina you mentioned earlier you actually started out in fashion you were going to be a fashion designer i was yeah and then what led you to the kitchen instead um greed read um, <laughs> nice and honest that's it anyway moving on yeah it's really it's really um it's really that so i started uh my i did a year at uh, london college of fashion doing women's wear design and then my degree is in fashion pr and marketing um so i fell into cooking by complete fluke um but it was greed and it was by accident really um so when the chef stabbed himself in the hand because you were working as like so you were studying and you were a waitress yes not in a cocktail bar but a lovely yeah. antipodean cafe in uh, in Clapham, and he stabbed himself in the hand, and I stepped See, in. See, cooking is dangerous, service, isn't it's it? Life, yeah, isn't it? Um, so yeah, that was how it all began. And, and what then, you just said, hey, I can definitely do this. I can cook. I surprised myself, wow. yeah, a little bit. And did and it I go well thought, on that first day? Yeah, it was great. And I, really? I, I guess I was quite surprised as to how well I took to a yeah. professional kitchen service. And then I realised that this was perhaps my calling because nobody oh. ate in fashion, so. 
Um, yeah, I was going to say, that's really one extreme to another. So, yeah, kind of. Like. Exactly, wow. And then what about you? How, how, why the Because you combine comedy and the two best things in life, comedy and food. But why the food? Is it just... Um, I mean, we just wanted to create something that, yeah, combine our two favourite things and people would have the most amount of fun doing, eating and laughing. It just seemed like a natural combination. Because mm-hmm. you, yeah, like that was literally it. Yeah, like we weren't looking for a USP or anything. It was just like, it was an evolution of ideas that we've had forever. Like we've always come up with strange mm. business plans and we've been best friends since we were 11. So we've had a lot of weird Obviously conversations. Obviously it's only been like four years because we're still like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. We are 16 years old <laughs> and, and thriving. Um, but yeah, I think. so young. God. <laughs> I know, it's embarrassing. I know, seriously, luminous skin. I'm like, whoa. And, but then what was the catalyst for this specific? You said you've been writing business plans, you've been doing this for years and years. I think writing is a push. <laughs> okay, thinking That's up. Spreadsheets, Maria, come on. Um, yeah, we basically, um, like, Rhiannon went to uni, I went and dropped out quite quickly afterwards. And. Um, yeah, we were just hanging out and we were both doing a certain job that we didn't like. We were both, I was in hospitality and we were like, let's show. We saw this comedian basically and she was saying, when a guy has an idea, his friend's like, oh, you should do this. And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And when a girl has an mm-hmm. idea, her friends are like, oh, you should do this. And she's like, well, no, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have that. Because we're like conditioned to essentially not believe in ourselves. So we've now decided to live our lives with the audacity of straight white men and it's going quite well. <laughs> I love that. That's my take-home yeah. lesson for the night. Yeah. Going to do that, for sure. So, yeah, we were just like, we just were like, okay, let's, let's do this, this sort of, like, idea of, um, you know, combining food and comedy, yeah. three acts, um, and three courses that, you know, are inspired by them, bringing the performance to the play. It started as a supper club and then just went from there. And it's grown up. You guys are doing parties and stuff now. Yeah, so most of what we do is like private hire now. Yeah. Because uh, that's where you get your money. Yeah, but that was like the biggest Got to pay your got. bills. <laughs> yeah. It's the harsh lesson you learn when you become an adult. Well, <laughs> that was the thing though. Like we started as these supper clubs with no real like intention. Um, we just wanted to do something together because we just wanted to hang out. It's essentially <laughs> playtime, yeah. It's been playtime for three years and it's pretty good. And then so we did three supper clubs and then we got a write up in Notion magazine. And ASOS booked us for their press party. And that was our first ever private hire gig. And we were like, oh, that's how you make money. <laughs> yeah, we did not businesses. approach this from a business the big perspective. Reveal. We were just like, let's see what happens. Yeah. And then... Yeah, it was a pure we passion like, project, ah. really. This so, yeah. could be a thing that we can actually make some cash out of. I know. Nice. And get some free suits, I hear. Yes, some free suits. Some nice suits. Some free clothes from ASOS. Thanks, ASOS. Because <laughs> they pay really well. And <laughs> then, um, Alex, what about you? How did you Sorry. go from doing a pop-up in Old Street to having two bricks-and-mortar restaurants? Again, it was, all, it was an accident as well, in the sense that um, I was working... I'd studied economics, and then I was working in PR and comms, and I, I knew that I loved cooking. I'd worked in loads of different restaurants, um, not as a chef, just sort of waitressing and, like I said, mucking in. Mm. And, um, and then I, was, I sort of thought, I don't want to work in the office anymore. I'm going to take a pop-up store on Old Street Station, which mm. is probably one of the rankest places you can do a food pop-up yeah it's pretty, but, it's pretty dirty no but, but hey that's cool no but it was an amazing opportunity and and everyone around there similarly like everyone around them was behind you they wanted to get you know yeah they were fascinated by what you're doing and i learned so much by doing it but essentially i started with porridge because i had no cooking experience and the only real thing i knew how to do was 
porridge. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I mean, it was, again, because, my, like, my mum didn't really cook, and the one thing that she did do was, like, a big bowl of porridge, five kids. My mum did down. porridge, too, yeah. <laughs> to her credit. <laughs> and, and it became one of those things which is, like, incredibly nostalgic for people. So yeah. porridge is one of those things. It really is. is. The smell, it's so evocative. It just reminds you of school which is nice no I mean and there's a real love and hate with porridge similarly people would come up and they'd tell me stories about like how they used to go to the seaside with their grandfather and have porridge and cream and loads of salt and somebody else would come up and be like I hate porridge my girlfriend used my ex-girlfriend used to make it and we used to live in New York and like we couldn't afford our rent it was disgusting so people have like real one or the other (laughs) but um ultimately a lot of people understood it and not no one was really doing it in London. And so yeah. as a result, we, were, we sort of had this license to grow through porridge. And then I, again, got greedy and I wanted to learn more about the food industry and I became fasc- fascinated with, like, the quality of goods and then the seasons mm. and the quality of farmers and the sustainability of what we were doing. And we had one shop and now we've just opened a new restaurant. So that's how it started. Which is incredible. And so do you all have a kind of a philosophy for food? What is that philosophy? Kind of like a, when you're thinking of kind of recipes and menus, is there kind of a kind of stricture, kind of certain guidance you stick by? And with you, you do love that seasonal cooking, fresh stuff. Tell me about that. I think um, I, the more limited I am in terms of like seasonality or what's in the fridge or that's the thing I love being led by. And similarly, good quality ingredients, so... We're really lucky because we use a lot of incredible cheeses, work with amazing farmers mm. who are like far, half an hour outside of Tottenham Hale and they only serve like three restaurants and it can be challenging mm. as well. But I think my favourite way to cook and favourite way to approach a, um, a recipe is simplicity mm-hmm. and just like hero it, hero it with a little bit of lemon, mm. good olive oil, just like simple, mm. simple things. Because there's nothing worse than trying to start on one of those awful recipes that's like 25 ingredients long and you just know like and it says marinate the night before i'm like the night before i can't plan anything the night before what the hell it's awful but also the, i mean once you've done it once then you know that and you that's know that true. skill and you're like oh you know there's a million recipe, there's a million ingredients in here but that's just like one incredible yeah. dressing which you'll know how to make now and you can make it time and time again so don't be put off by that because those things can be transform layer Make and make it amazing recipes. Every I'll take your word in your for book, it. 50 Ingredients Long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My first book. Yeah. And Rian Ryan, what about you? So when you're thinking of the... Because I know you pair so the, um, the menus that you do. I really wanted to own the space. I know, sorry, I really selfishly took the small table because that happened to me last time. I spilled some everywhere, sorry. That's climbed down there. <laughs> um, so I know you match the menus that you serve in your supper clubs with the kind of theme of the evening how do you come up with that what is your inspiration for that um so the process kind of works i mean we 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 generally work with like different kitchens from like black axe mangal to three girls cook um but the first thing we do is like chat to the comedian and like what they're going to talk about Mm -hmm. and then it just goes from there and we sort of think of like packaging ideas so i think the best way is to like give them an example which example i liked the curry Oh, that the, oh, the first yeah. ever what? That was our first, that first ever. That was yeah. yeah, we went all out on our first ever. Ham, yeah. Um, on our first ever supper club, where we did um, a whole takeout menu inspired by someone, someone's mock erotic reading about a woman who was lonely on Valentine's Day, so ordered takeaway so she could screw the delivery boy. It's actually based on Rhiannon. Uh. <laughs> Um, but we you know we screen printed the curry house bags like we literally made our own curry house yeah so the appearance is that it like 
so this person spoke about takeaway and it comes in like true takeaway form like salad in the bag like the foil boxes a really shit like um stock imagery like menu maria is um, amazing at doing <laughs> crap like graphic design thank you of, so much like no but uh, as in like <laughs> self her hustle needs a graphic she's designer so good. she's so good um so just like rebranding like to mock it but in like a funnier way and like yeah throughout it having like homage to like what the person has spoken about but then the contents inside instead of it being like your bog standard takeout will be like incredible so I think for that one we did like we did goat curry curries, we? we did beetroot curry mm. we did like a slaw like oh. the salad bag was like a slaw with pomegranate and then you know you get like the little polystyrene pots of sauces we had them but they were like yeah we made our own like we did like fermented chili sauce and And so with this you're coming so with each of the events you're partnering with the person the comedian that you work with Mm. well then it's a real kind of collaborative effort like what's the theme of the evening and then you that begin to then think of the food off the back of that yeah and that's then like scouring recipes looking for is that what's not mainly just us like sat in a room and chat yeah we chat it out I really like the way you guys work it doesn't need to be be like an intense way like me and Rhiannon have no like sort of like formal training and the chefs that we work with are like from all over the world in like different levels of their um, career and it's it's more of like an exciting thing because we work with like chefs who have been doing the same Mm. thing day in day out and they're like oh I can actually do something different Mm. here and sometimes the actual physical food doesn't have to... Because comedians don't obviously talk about food. That is an exception. So it's more about, like, the packaging. Mm. And then we work in whatever way we can to basically put in whatever kind of food the chef wants to do and whatever food we want to do. Yeah. I love that. Because none of you are trained specifically in food. And I think that's... A, I think so often we get used to just feeling there's such a kind of high barrier to entry to lots of different career paths. And I, I definitely think with food, I'd be like... <gasps> Can't, I can't work in food. Like, I've, you know, I haven't had that formal training, but it's all just kind of, as you say, just really learning on the job and going with it. Yeah, <laughs> if it tastes good, it's yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's nice. Well, it's the philosophy I go for with every dinner party I do and I cook not very nice food. <laughs> but that's only me. Um, and Sabrina, what about you? You've worked at lots of big restaurants. And what kind of freedom uh, do you get to really kind of bring your own style of cooking and your own approach to food to what, to what you're doing? Uh, well, I think I've been very lucky. So it's been a very eclectic journey for me. I also started in gastro pubs which was great I used to have my tea and my coffee out of a pint mug every morning so that was a joy um and it's been very eclectic so the sanctuary spa obviously which was sort of modern European food I had an Italian restaurant for four years also um Punjabi from Wolverhampton um and I'm very lucky now with Albright to cook whatever I please so that's you really get free um, reign yeah there's there's lots of comms about cultural appropriation and what's your style and what's your whatever and truthfully it's whatever I feel like cooking and whatever I feel the team want to learn about so um we do we do everything from homemade handmade pasta to to our own kimchi and pickles and ferments and we make our own bread and um it is whatever we fancy yeah. at the time. So it's quite joyous to be able to, to just engineer the food offer, yeah. dependent on what the chefs really want to, um, to be learning about. So January, we're doing a, a Japanese pop-up. Oh, wow. So there you go, all things Japanese. So it's, I guess it's absolute love of food, complete passion for the job in, in every facet of it, mm. knowing that I, I have a very big team that I need to need to keep engaged mm. actually so so that's it's led by both mm. the member and the team that's interesting alex i actually um heard you say something super interesting on a podcast interview recently um 
that she said that the food was really only about 30% of what goes into making, making 26 grains what it is. The rest is around building the right culture and the ambience of the place. How do you go about creating a really great dining experience? Hey, um, uh, you just, again, like, you know, it, 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 the food, you know, you need to have good food, but it has to be effortless. You need to have everyone on good form. You need to know that your kitchen are, like, really confident in what they're doing and by by having that confidence the pace of the kitchen is going to be awesome people are going to get their food in good time you've got to have really amazing music good lighting um think about the stuff that you're serving on so we work with this very sort of crazy old man um down in dorset and he hand makes every single item that we've ever worked with that that we serve all of our food drink all of our coffee out of and he's got some amazing ideas and glazes and stuff like that so it's it's so much about the vibe that you create Mm. And in business, it's so much about the vibe and culture that you create within your business because that's so within ul- your team. Yeah, because that's ultimately what people are coming for because mm. that's that's what you're giving off. Mm. And so, as much as you sort of think that you're going to start here and you want to be like this restaurant, it's hard to emulate that because mm. you've got to think about who you are and who your team are and how you can mm. continue to engage them. So, it's it's the the food is obviously crucial, but sure. it's about the whole the everything as a whole. I mean, cooking kitchens are quite stressful places. How do you kind of keep it calm and kind of keep your teams happy? It's because you're working with quite big teams. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... I'm uh, presuming they are happy. Uh, that they are <laughs> very happy, aren't you all? Uh, no, they, they are. I mean, it, it's... it's um, truthfully, truthfully, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think it would be really nice to sit here and say everything's a walk in the park and everyone's happy all the time. Um, no one's and that's, happy all yeah, the time. Yeah, and that's not life. So yeah. I, guess, I guess the point is that um, they, you have to be everyone's pastoral carer in mm-hmm. a capacity or other. You are there to, to make sure you lead their development and, and you make sure they're engaged and enjoying their work. And often in kitchens, you spend a lot more time uh, with your brigade and your team than you do mm. outside sometimes. So um, you try and build a family, mm-hmm. and families sometimes have arguments, yeah. um, and they need to be resolved with with cheeseburgers and beer and a little chat outside, and that's how it works. So, you know, it does take um, it takes some handling of everybody because mm. that's now three kitchens and two continents and a team Whoa. of 30, Ooh, 37 chefs now. So that's a lot of people to yeah. keep happy from afar. So, you know, it's, it's a big job yeah. and it's not always easy. Um, but, but alcohol always helps. Yeah. <laughs> true words, never isn't spoken. It? <laughs> so true. Hence why we've plied you with alcohol this evening. Um, but is there a kind of a typical day in your kind of day-to-day lives? I mean, I know people are doing kind of 101 million things, but what does a kind of average day look like for you in the workplace I think there's more of like an ideal day than an average day because every day like what we do obviously we do food and comedy so we're either meeting chefs meeting comedians doing an event um doing things like this which which is amazing but we definitely have days that we try and structure to be exactly what we want which would start with a fry up in our favorite calf um, with a couple of chef mates. Love that. Where I is your like favourite calf? Okay, it's very prestige. <laughs> um, they actually they do fries, but they also have an off-menu steak and chips for three pounds fifty. <laughs> um, it's disgusting and <laughs> so glorious. Amazing. The tea is it's just milk with water. Um, it's it's in Stone Newington. It's called uh, the River Cafe. 
it's not actually calf. it's not actually good for the food. No, but it's the experience. They create a great culture, yeah, which is what do. it's all about. They exactly. fall up on a thirty percent, but they get the rest right. So, and it puts you in a good mood. Like the, I, I think in terms of structure, like we're quite loose with that mm-hmm. because what we do is so varied. From like checking out a space, like Rihanna said, to like you know meeting with different people. So it isn't that structured. We're kind of around a lot just like around London trying mm. to we really want to get a scooter yeah we want to get one of those electric scooters no, oh, like one of those oh, the, ones the pacey ones but, and like oh, put together cool. on one yeah yeah so that that's the ideal structure to have a <laughs> sipping around I think also as well because like obviously we're best friends um I think it's also about balancing like we have to make time for each other as well so we have this is a relationship work, as well as a work, our work okay. relationship <laughs> but um we also have to like have really nice lunches and my hands are so clapping <laughs> yeah, that was pure like <laughs> um yeah so i don't know like yeah it's just the day starts and then it but then when we've got an event, we do wake up really early yeah. and you're just yeah. like there and it's da 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 and coffees and stuff. But I think that... <laughs> the one day that we have coffee. It's the one day we have pen. coffee. But uh, yeah, it really varies. I don't think there's any right or wrong way about it. I think when we started Mamsham, we were kind of like, oh, like we're shit at get, getting up early and being like da 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 It's just like, we are efficient. We're really yeah. efficient, but we go at our own pace. So you kind of, you go to like a lot of, panel stuff mm. and then you read a lot of books mm. and it's just like we've met so many women who were like I wake up at five and then I go to bed at two and it's just like well, you're wasting time clearly because yeah. it doesn't need to be that way well, inefficient and you're obviously tired yeah so. <laughs> but they always look amazing and they're doing really well <laughs> yeah well get details, it details. <laughs> you guys are doing great um and Alex what about you what about setting up a second restaurant what does that mean your day-to-day is looking like at the moment before opening the setting up the new restaurant was a lot of fun you just got everyone down so we were just you know creating menus again looking at like all the finishings of all the of the whole space how the lighting's going to be how it's going to work hiring everyone just be like you're hired you're hired this is amazing everyone's hired but um sounds really fun it was super fun (laughs) and I was like I love opening restaurants and then yesterday both our dishwashers broke so that's what consume most of my day yesterday and then the reality so like right now logistics kick in and you're like oh i think my day my days at the moment are filled with problem solving so a combination of um it's not such a great time of year to open a restaurant with a whole lot of new staff because it's december everyone gets sick Mm. people have family over all that kind of Mm. stuff so we're constantly i'm constantly problem solving at the moment Mm -hmm. um but it's it's an amazing thing because when you're problem solving you you know and you sleep really well because you're you know that you're doing everything you can in your power to get as much done in a day and then you sleep mm. and then you wake up and it all starts again. But right now it's quite hectic, but um, otherwise it's lovely. You get to create new recipes. Um, and you there all day? You there like kind of with customers chatting? Probably too much chatting. Yeah. Um, yeah but. Yeah, there all the, all the yeah. both restaurants at the, at the moment all the time, um, getting ready for a Christmas party, uh, that oh, kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm um, I'm I love what I do. Yeah. It's again all consuming because you've got to think. Again, you, you think about the food, and you've got to then think about like, has everyone have we got enough money in the bank to pay everyone at the end of the day? And um, is our landlord happy with the 
the There's site and how it, of, yeah, you, you yeah. forget that it's not just about the food in terms of running a business and um, so all the other moving parts. Yeah, what I can totally imagine. And just going back to the building of the fabulously successful careers, which is why you're all here. Um, did you, as so you all kind of fell into the um, food business somewhat serendipitously, also with a huge dose of undeniable talent. Um, but yeah. I said that. It's all about women lifting other women up. It's the whole vibe. I hate her to say that. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But did you start out with a career plan or do you have a career plan now? You're shaking your head. You still have no idea what's going on. No idea. No. Uh, I'm not alone in that. Like, I mean, obviously we want relentless success and adoration. That's a given. Everyone here, we want Um, relentless success for sure. I think if you put too much pressure on yourself, you don't allow allow yourself to grow naturally and organically, which is very important to us. Um, Yeah, I think that, like, obviously, like, we want to be successful. Obviously, we want to be achieving great things and working with incredible people, but... I, 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 it's just not in our nature to be that way, I don't think. Yeah. No, I think that we just both work really hard and see where we end up. That's kind of because even um, like what we've done, we've kind of turned into another career as well. So we were signed by an agency called Moxie. Oh, woo! Oh, Mama just over Mama there. Mama just over there. <laughs> Christiana. Um, but yeah, and that's like, and that's really cool. And we've started doing, you know, brand collaboration collaborations and um but also maybe doing a bit of radio bit of other things hopefully um but we would never have thought of doing that that's just because of what we were doing ourselves and then someone else said oh have you thought of this so we don't know where that's going to end up next year we're just because often you don't actually know that's the whole point of her hustle you don't actually know the range of jobs out there and what opportunities actually exist and also so many like kind of the rise of brand partnerships and all this sort of stuff a lot of it's quite new and probably has you know isn't going to be in the kind of career guidance book at school and also like women in food like we're like part of that generation that is kind of starting to get a bit of limelight because it's so male dominated Mm. isn't it so it's all just very different isn't it Mm. I mean, Sabrina, by comparison, I love it. So you said you, from the age, age of eight, you've been doing five-year plans instilled in you by your parents. As someone who is incapable of even making a three-month life plan, please tell me, how do you go about doing this? Um, so, I mean, this sounds bearing in mind from Punjabi parents, okay? So you have to have some ambitions and some goals and some drive. Um, so there's a cultural element of that. And I did, I did want to say, as we discussed on the phone, that I had a gloriously happy childhood. I wasn't robbed of my younger years because I was put to work anywhere. Um, it they was here? More, they I was going to say, that. I did everything I said I would. Um, no, it's just, it's just part of that cultural thing, isn't it? Which is, what are you going to do? And what would you like to build? And what kind of life would you like to live truthfully? So I guess some of that was, you know, from, from it gets to the point where it's like, so which school do we go for the mm. 11 plus? Then where, where do you go mm. for GCSEs? What will you choose? Bearing in mind, I hadn't discovered food. I was still greedy at this age, but it wasn't, you know, one of the options on the table sure. for a career. So, um, which is why I pushed for fashion mm-hmm. um, and then fell into food. And that took some persuading as well to everybody to convince them that, that was the right move to make but I think I think for me I've really always enjoyed having a kind of a a bit of a vibe as Mm. to the direction I kind of want to go Mm -hmm. in really um and that's worked for me thus far Mm -hmm. I'd like to think 
I'm, I'm so, confirming. Um, yes, so, it has. So you're doing you know, very well. I mean, and it's great. not it's not there because it benchmarks what you don't achieve. Mm. It just helps you point yourself in the right direction yeah. of the of the way that you want to go. I guess sometimes. So I can't even pack for a holiday because I don't know who I'm going to want to be the next day. <laughs> I'm like, am I going to be one, that person that just wears all leopard print? Am I going to be in all black? I just don't know who it's going to be. So I, I like. I need to start trying to do this. I wonder as well, like how much our mothers have played a role in our kind of attitude to like five years plans Mm. or just going by the wind because our mums are the complete opposite and they're just grateful that we're working I think that they're like they're just impressed with that we were the runts of the family (laughs) no and now look at you and now I'm a star no um yeah my mum was all yeah she's just been very encouraging like I could shit on a canvas and she'd be like it's art and nobody understands it um, I, mean, I could do this so I've got like basically like I'm way too confident for, and it's my mum's fault we have been heavily muddy coddled <laughs> me too totally me too um, so advice can be a great thing um, career making even um, but some advice is better left unheeded which can definitely be a really really hard thing to do especially when you're starting out in your career um, how have you all ensured that you're building a business um, and career that you want to create um, and you're not being too heavily influenced by others' opinions and kind of what other people want you to do. So I know, Alex, when you first started out doing a wonderful porridge, you had a lot of people um, trying to encourage you to abandon your slow-cooked, lovingly created porridge and put it into a profitable, takeaway, dry porridge pots. Ugh! How did you say no to that? I mean, it's my worst. It's the worst when someone goes, comes over and you go, you know, I know what you should do. And then they, they yeah, tell you exactly what you... Yeah. <laughs> um, but, the, you know, everyone... And actually, do you know what? The only thing I can say about that is everyone genuinely has their best interest, mm. you know, in you. And they're trying to help. And then by them saying that, it means that they believe in you. So they just want you to take it to the next level. So don't be put off by that. But similarly, I mean, it, although it's difficult to know where you're going, you need to sort of know what your values are and where kind of kind of what you would and wouldn't do because I mean even now I think weirdly now I feel that there's more to lose because I've got um you know we've got a team of 10 in Neil's Yard we've got a team of 20 in Stony Street you kind of you feel really responsible to make this business work so actually sometimes I feel like I'm more um I don't know perceptible perceptible to that kind of influence Mm. now I think it's also because when you just really want to help and you really want to move forward Mm. that you can sometimes get stuck in those pieces Mm. of you know talks of people and you're like I must completely change my business plan but I think what's really important is to come away from those talks and those pieces of advice and take it on board because people really want to help Mm -hmm. you like I said but equally there is always something there are opportunities from everything so take it on board but you know, maybe park it and be like, that could be two years' time, or mm-hmm. just be like, oh no, I, I've worked through that mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do that. And just know that you're moving forward in the direction that you want to. So sometimes you'll get advice and you're like, I know in my head that I'm just not going to do that. And mm-hmm. w- by saying that to yourself, be like, that's awesome that I've worked through that and I'm not going to do that. And now I know that that's, you know, one direction I'm not heading, so I have focus. Mm. And Ryan, Ryan, with, um, with your new mentality of the straight white 
arrogant male. Is that it? No, the arrogance all like you added that. But oh, I can. Oh, sorry, that was just that. what you got from us. I guess. <laughs> no, sorry, it's just our aura. Clearly, I thought you said that earlier. No, the arrogance of it. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, with that great mentality and that approach to um, your career, um, has there been any advice, or has any been anyone kind of telling you how to develop Mam Cham in a specific way that you've been like, ah. Uh-uh. Yeah, I think uh, definitely, like, nobody understands your business like you do, and nobody understands what you're trying to achieve. Um, So I think lots of people, like you're with the dry porridge, loads of people have ideas about how to grow your business Mm -hmm. and how to, like, make it really profitable. and And you're like, but actually the most important thing to us is our creative integrity and always doing something that we believe in. And we we don't want to change to appeal to everybody. We want to stay who we are and then the right people will come come to to us. Yeah, Yeah. as we've gotten, like, bigger and working with bigger brands that I won't name, like, some of them will be like, okay, we want to go in a new direction. We want to be associated with, like, millennials doing something cool and we're like oh busy us um (laughs) no um but like they'll be like okay great and then you'll work with them and then the whole way through they'll try and micromanage you and they'll be like oh we want you but not like that we want it that we want it our way and you're just like no you don't want me then (laughs) yeah and it's it's difficult because you're just like oh i'm finally in a point where people want to pay us for like uh, you know good money for a service but they don't want it in the way that we provide it they want it in their way which is safer and it that can be really difficult because you're basically choosing between paying your bills and like mm-hmm. creative integrity but uh, yeah I think we really really stick to it and like in a world of so many like you know you open time out and it's like London's first da, 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 has just opened and it's majority like those immersive experiences mm-hmm. are just mass-produced projects that are like not very good like you'll watch some cabaret pay 85 pounds and eat a chicken parma ham like that's not Mm -mm. what we want to do we want to whenever we do like ticketed events we keep our ticket price as low down as possible so it's like 40 quid generally which i think is really good for three courses and three comedy acts and because we want people like us there we we don't want it to be elitist like you look at secret cinema now and the audience is just completely changed and i don't think it has the same atmosphere and We've also had collaborations that we've had to turn down because they've wanted to price the tickets highly. So we were asked to do a New Year's Eve collaboration and um, they were like, yeah, so we could do like £100 tickets with like a goodie bag. And we're like, mm, no, that's that's not us. Like, we, we can't do that. And then they're like, oh, what about like £80 and, you know, one free drink on arrival? And we're just like, we cannot ever do anything that goes against our audience um, because they're the people that, that are your, you know, the people that are going to egg you on and the people that are going to yeah. promote you to... You might have someone that comes to your ticketed event that you're not making very much money on, but they work for Adidas and they're going to tell Adidas, I went to this thing, and then you're going to end and up you doing... you charge them loads of money. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it works, though. It's like your audience or, like, that's your customers really are the... Hu- like, yeah. as important, like, the atmosphere is as important as what you're serving, I mm. think. Like, if you haven't got an atmosphere, then what's... Like, it's shit. Like, mm. food, eating is, like... A three, you know, it's a whole experience and it doesn't just encompass like what's on the plate in front of you. It's such overused words, but it really is about kind of building that community around what you're yeah. providing and what you're creating. Um, now, working in a kitchen, designing all these recipes and the wonderful um, nights that you all um, you put on, 
these are things that really require um, very different skill sets. So they demand you to be creative, as you've described, and also really savvy business people. Um, What have each of you found to be the greatest challenges in wearing all these different hats? Or the greatest challenge? I know there are many challenges. Sabrina, do you want to begin? Uh, I can, yes. Um, I I think it's trying not to have a bad day, I guess, truthfully. When you are leading a team, mm. do you know what I mean? Mm. Someone else in your team has had a really tough time. So you need um, to be the one yeah, that's like, so you hey, wanna, you want to pick them day, up and smiling through the tears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's really important, you know, um, to lead everybody. So I think that can be um, a bit tricky. Gosh, um, Alex, I think you should jump in with me here because yeah. I'm struggling. We were just finding it so easy. What's going on? We're like, oh my God, I can't think of anything. No. I look good in every hat. <laughs> Logistics as well, truthfully. You know, I mean, we, we, it's a time, timing thing yeah. for us. So um, work finishes in London and then the US, LA wakes up. So for us, there's a time different situation. Um, so logistically, that can yeah. be a bit, a bit stressy because you don't necessarily want to be making calls Logistics late at night. Logistics are always but, crap. Yeah, they always you make you When sad. the dishwasher breaks. Yeah. Yeah. I think also um, you're expected to be the best at everything in, in, in your business. So they're like, you know, why has this not been built? And is everyone okay? And mm. I, that's the hardest thing is that you don't have, you have as much time as everybody else, but expected to be on the top of your game for everyone Across else. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, regularly I'll get someone calling me and, um, so the other day in London Bridge, for example, we really sadly had um, there were attacks on the bridge, and we had to get back. And my business head was saying, "God, we need to go back and we need to tidy up." And then my heart was saying, "My team have just suffered this awful experience. Yeah. Um, everybody needs time off." So we met in the middle. Everyone had a lion. We came back as a team. Um, then sort of got all the logistics together, got the space back together and moved forward. But it's really hard in those times of crisis. Like, who do you turn to when everyone looks at you? I think that's the hardest thing. But equally, it's the most rewarding thing because, you you know, you you get your head around it. when it goes right, it's really, really gratifying. And it really can't go wrong because someone just has to make a decision and move forward. Yeah, making decisions, that's so hard though. Um, And kind of following on from what you've just said, what about balance? Um, We can obviously, women can have it all now. Yay. (laughs) But can we actually? And is it really realistic to think that you can kind of do everything at once? Or do you think that at this point in your careers, when you're all kind of doing such amazing things and moving at such a fast pace, does something have to give? Do you have to make sacrifices? And what are those? I think it just depends what you want. Like, right now, it doesn't feel like we're making much of a sacrifice because we. I feel like our lives are pretty fulfilled. Um, I mean, there's two of us, which makes things a lot easier. Mm. We each other's soundboard and, you know... Like and best friends. Said, you get to like your best friends. Lovers and best friends. Um, Not lovers, Maria. <laughs> Not yet. Um, and... She keeps Give it asking. time. <laughs> Don't embarrass me. Um, so, like, you know, work, work is play. <laughs> um, so... Sign me up. <laughs> sound We've had way too many, many dinners out on the business space. Basically. Yeah, like, <laughs> we're in work, right? We spoke about work for five minutes. Let's. Uh... <laughs> I, yeah, I think it is hard because you're like, you know, obviously, just like little things like we were talking about going on holiday and doing stuff like that, and then you kind of make the sacrifice. To, the anxiety, to, to, mm. you know, which some people are like, well, that's a fucking luxury. So you know, get a grip. Mm. But I, I, I think it depends what you want in, in your life right now. And in my life right now, I, I want to be working on this, mm. so it doesn't feel too much like a sacrifice. And then, you know. 
I've, I've been around a bit. I've gone out a lot, so I'm all right staying in for a little bit. I feel you on that one. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like the FOMO is for business rather than yeah, fun oh, I like stuff. That. Yeah. So it's like next year, like we're talking about going away and we're like, but we've already got these events booked in on this, 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 this. And it's like, what if we go away and then someone wants to do this big event on that yeah. date? And it's like, you don't want to miss any opportunities. Yeah. Basically, relentless anxiety stops us from feeling that way. <laughs> But yeah, like Maria said, it is a lot easier that we've got yeah. each other. Um, and can you ever fully switch off? Can you ever? I mean, Serena, you and I talked about this on the phone very briefly. The idea of just turning off your phone and being like checked out something is kind of would love that. Yeah, alien love to <laughs> no. And I mean, I'm sure it will happen at some point. Um, but when we all retire, we'll you know. definitely do that. <laughs> I'm sure it will happen. I probably will be scrolling through. We have to go to Mexico. Um, but I, th- I think that's it. I think it's really important. And, and I think the, the the as we all continue and whatever it is that we do, you have to make time to actually you know, switch everything off and just sit and be, really. I think that's quite important. Mm-hmm. So that might be on holiday or it might be in the pub mm-hmm. with a bottle of wine or two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do, need to, you do need to call time, I think, mm-hmm. sometimes and just have a moment to, to process and, and, you know, And be. CBD oil is my new discovery. Is it? They really love that in, in LA. The I know, I'm just jumping on the band. Go the whole hog. Light up a goddammit. Way more effective. <laughs> I'm going small steps. <laughs> and what about you, Alex? Um, I'd say it, we're not that. I mean, it's not that different from every everybody else. I don't think just running your business means that you can't switch off. I think everybody's the same. I think, you know, what life expects from us in terms of, you know constantly being like culturally active being mm. with your friends being with your family making life plans I don't think that's unique to yeah. running a business so mm. I think as long as everyone has that very frank conversation everyone's feeling the pressure yeah I do they, they, they <laughs> are oh, like you know you think oh, I've got to listen to this podcast and I must read this book and I mm. have to go to this gallery and I have to cook this new recipe and uh, my mum wants to see all those things and that's just everybody dealing with that right now so just find the thing that you can help you switch off which is for me the one time I really switched off I flew to the Philippines three years ago and my phone didn't work out there I didn't sheer know luxury <laughs> and I didn't even know the time when I got there I didn't know the time difference so we just sort of sat there being like I guess it's dark I guess we should go eat now and it was amazing and my our conversations wow. were led less by like what BBC pop-ups we just got and yeah. just like actually what was around us so find somewhere where you can actually not use your phone well if you're on three mobile you never get signal so actually i do get that quite often <laughs> I also daily think gripe with us. masturbation as well is extremely important <laughs> time me time i agree with me that 100%. But i also think switching off makes you a lot more productive too so we definitely yeah. have like times when we're super not like stressed but you know when you're like you've got five decisions to make And you're not really sure what to do. And we usually watch EastEnders and have some bangers and mash. And then afterwards... Get back to the fans. <laughs> But afterwards you, you can't of... leave them for too long. Or <laughs> cause a stir. Now, I could continue talking forever but I mustn't because we have to have time for audience Q&As. So I'm going to wrap up with one final question because I love this one. Um, so, but I have to remember, oh yeah. So what is the one thing that you know now that you wish you'd known at the very start of your career? I think our value, because I think it took us a long time. Oh, that's a very good one. Yeah, it took us, uh, yeah, like a, a good 
couple of years, I think, to, to realise what... what <laughs> yeah, to, but to really realise what we were offering yeah. and how unique it was and that people desired it. So I think... <laughs> More the rolling sound. <laughs> but I think you just think that just yeah. you two really like it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, other people are into this yeah. too. But it, it does take... Because it's a bit... I don't know. It feels like arrogant, doesn't it? To be like, oh, people like what we're doing. But when you realise that, you can you do a lot more. No, but it's such a good point. And also realising that you actually, your work does, you do deserve to be paid. I still now feel so much guilt around being paid. I'm like, yeah. oh God, no, I'm, I, you know, let me just do, you know, I feel like I need to really have like burnt the candle at both ends to deserve yeah. a paycheck. Otherwise I'm like, God, no, 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 can't take it. It's really bad. And so Sabrina, what about you? Mm, tricky question. Um, I guess some of that is that it's the same journey, isn't it? Up, Which is so sorry. Um, <laughs> Piles of wisdom can't be lost on the podcast. Well, it's just... <laughs> um, exactly, this is... Knowing, knowing that you can do it, I guess, really, actually. It's been quite the journey thus far. Mm. Um, so if I could have a word with myself back then, I'd say don't worry about mm. it. Like, it will, it'll come good if you just push on and, and do what you want to do, really. Because there are moments where you're like, oh, am I going to do that? Mm. You know, um, can I really do that? And then you do it, and you're like, yeah, just did that. That happened. It's the imposter um, syndrome. It's like, oh, you can't, I can't yeah. possibly be me. And then and it's, it's like, oh, it is me. It's hey. your friends. I think it's your friends and your family and the people yeah. around you who sometimes um, remind you of the things yeah. that you've achieved because you never bother to register them yourselves, actually, sometimes. So, we tell each other every so, day. Yeah. Well, that's good, isn't it? We need, to, we, need, we, need a, we need a duo, don't we? Don't Hang out. Get a fry with us any time. <laughs> the calf. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what about you? I'd say... Um, that you like I just say you're you're the boss so you just Mm -hmm. need you need to make the decisions you Mm -hmm. need to worry less about what everyone think Mm -hmm. and just like keep keep going Mm -hmm. um and I think I used to try and make best friends with everyone but then some one of my managers told me that my um managing style was quite like on on the brink of being like the office mm. so like high-fiving people <laughs> thinking that you know, it's really good to be everyone's best friend trying to yeah. stay the latest at drinks yeah. when really they just want you to leave so uh, oh that no, would no, no, break sorry. my heart so much i'd be like you don't want me here but i'm so fun no 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 no, no. but being like okay like this is my team and yeah then and yeah. they're all incredible to work with and yeah. we're all good friends but ultimately pay for the round you are the boss. and leave yeah um on that note we will wrap up so thank you all so much for coming it's been such a great evening and i've learned so much i'm gonna try and make a five-year plan tomorrow we'll see how that goes (laughs) just heard of chris i know (laughs) exactly i'm gonna be mind mapping on the walls it's gonna be great um one thing before I forget, um, the wonderful Shadow magazine um, has been displayed at the very back. It's a new magazine that is exploring kind of what it means to be a woman today. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Their latest issue is, um, has been edited by Leila Hussein, who's fantastic. And I urge you, so this is the second issue, urge you to go and have a read, purchase one, and then follow them and keep an eye on what they're doing. So that's great. Um, so other than that, we'll leave it there. Thank you all so much again. Have a wonderful Christmas and see you on January the 16th. Can't wait. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the How I Hustle podcast with me, Emma Louise. Please don't forget to subscribe and listen to all our future episodes. And please, if you have time, leave us a review as it'll help others find the podcast too. Bye.